Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll always talk about getting you to retirement. That'll always be the name of the game on this show. Sometimes we'll talk a little bit of strategy. Sometimes there'll be more hints, tips. Um, Sometimes there'll be daily headlines. I think it's always good to try to learn from things that we're seeing on Wall Street. Not so much what it's trying to tell us, but I'd rather you be informed on business news, on economy news, than on political news. I know that sounds harsh. I know it sounds like I'm trying to be your dad. But what I'm really trying to do is say, from my experience, Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN have never done much other than make me more of a man or less of a man, whereas the economy and business has made me wealthy to the point that I can spend time with my loved ones, which is kind of my mission on this planet, more so than being politically savvy. With that said, let's jump into some content today. Um, Taxes. There's so many ways to make money. You can earn it. You could invest it. You can save it. Then there's different approaches of how much do you earn? How much do you save in taxes? Elon Musk leaving California and going to Texas. He's going to save billions. (laughs) That's a weird thing to say out loud. Billions in taxes. Should you do the same thing? The average job in Texas pays a lot less than the average job in the coastal cities of California. So you have that to consider. Then you have to consider where you're going to retire. Do you want to pay taxes or not? Quality of life, where you are. Versus awesome, sometimes being amongst your people. One of the nicer things about Phoenix and you know Florida, when you're retired, there's a lot of other people who are retired. There's a whole industry catering to retirees. Whereas I don't think there's really much of an industry catering to retirees where I live right now. I want you to think this way. I want you to think this way about your parents. I want you to think a lot less this way about your children. I kind of want you to help them, but let them figure it out on their own. With tax evasion rising amongst the wealthy, the IRS is conducting fewer and fewer audits. The United States fails to collect about $1 trillion in taxes every single year. The United States fails to collect about $1 trillion in taxes every single year. Now, I dated an IRS lady when I was in high school. My high school crush became a college crush, and my college crush became an IRS agent. Um, She was a genius student, and the government highly recruits genius students. Bit of advice, never break up with an IRS agent. I know you're saying you're kidding, right? One more time, bit of advice, never break up with an IRS agent. Let her do the breaking up with you. 
or let her think she's doing the breaking up with you. I know you're saying this is why you get into trouble, Rob. Roughly 99% of taxes on wages are paid straight to the IRS, something most people know all too well because of your paychecks. But only 45% is paid on less visible sources of income. That gap is disproportionately benefits high earners who accrue more of their income from non-labor issues where misreporting is common. So whether you're selling a house or selling assets or Bitcoin, that's a lot tougher for the IRS to collect than your paycheck. It's interesting that I once met Steve Forbes. This is just a weird story because he was probably the first billionaire that I ever met 25 years ago. I was on, oddly enough, Fox News. I was on Fox Business at the time, but uh, Fox Business had just started and they needed guests badly. And they had a show called Forbes on Fox, which oddly enough, was kind of a little bit of Forbes magazine, which the editor-in-chief was Steve Forbes. He ran for president at one time. You may forget that. He was similar to um, Ross Perot, where he was a billionaire, and he was like, oh, I got a way of fixing business, and his way of fixing it was a flat tax. And when I tell you 99% of our paycheck gets taxed effectively and efficiently, but alternative assets like homes and you know other types of assets other than income are a little bit tougher for the IRS to track. The IRS has overwhelmed the agency's budget has decreased 20% since 2010, while the number of taxpayers has gone up 19%. The agency only managed to return 32 million of the 282 million phone calls that it received last year. Did you hear me correctly? They only returned 32 million of the 282 million. Um, If that's not gonzo nutso, I don't really know what is. There's millions and millions and millions of pages of tax code now. And I don't think that's a good thing in my opinion. I think it's created... it'd be much easier for you and I to kind of blow it, so to speak. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I tend to say, pay your taxes. I'm not going to get in trouble here with the government. I tend to think that's a very, very good idea. (laughs) I know you're laughing at me, right? With that out there, I would say some of it is pretty elective. Living in California is a higher tax state than living in Florida or Arizona. Some states handle estate taxes easier than others. California is okay state to die wealthy in because they tax you a lot during your work career. There's better states. There's ways of of protecting your money from taxes like trusts. Whereas like Washington's a horrible state to die in with wealth, but a great state to create wealth. I don't know if this statement's going to ring true with you or not, but I don't think there's any right answers. When I saw Phil Mickelson a couple of years ago say, you know, I may have to leave the state of California because as a professional golfer, I have to pay taxes essentially as an independent contractor. And he said, if I earn a million dollars, I probably only keep about 320,000. You're like, whoa. 
Is that possible? And it is. When you're in a 30% federal tax bracket, when you're in a 10 to 12% state tax bracket, that's already 45%. Then you get 15% in social security taxes because you pay yours and the employers. And you can quickly see how it becomes very expensive. And then sales tax in most coastal cities in California, by coastal, I'm saying from the beach to about 50 miles in, sales taxes are about 10%. So if you're living here and you're on the lower side of the income world, it's it's a tough environment to live in. I mean, you are taxed heavily. There's other states that are taxed a lot less. What decision do you want to make? I chose California early in my career, knowing that I was going to be exposed to high taxes. My business partner, Chad Burton, was located outside the state. So even though we made the same amount of money, he kept more because he would live in a tax-favored state versus me. I'm okay with that. Some people would go crazy from that. I had a chance of buying a home in Nevada and living in it 51% of the time and evading taxes. And I was like, you know, that's just not my thing. It could be yours. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, Those are decisions left up to you. The fortune-making spirit of today's marketplace, The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I promise if you listen, I will do my very best to come up with ideas for you. Within reason to help you become a better overall investor. And this could take many, many forms. It could take a stock idea. It could take what I did yesterday and say, you know, the move to electric vehicles through gas vehicles right now, gas sitting as expensive as it is, it's very much so a tax on the poor, in my opinion. Again, let me repeat that. Where gasoline prices sit today, it's very much so a tax on the poor who tend to drive to work. And they don't have the buffer to absorb an extra 50% in gasoline prices. It's not fun. Soaring gas prices are walloping Americas, and they hit the lowest income the hardest. If you've lost your job and you're trying to pay a little bit more to go looking for a job, you can imagine the stress. Gasoline prices rocketed into the stratosphere in 2022. to the point that it's become a national punchline. We're paying more for a gallon of gasoline than for a gallon of soda. We're paying more for a gallon of gasoline than a gallon of milk. We're paying more for a gallon of gasoline than for a gallon of water. We're paying like a late night comedian can be like, whoa, you know, I uh, met a gold digger today. I uh, met her at the gas station while I was filling it up and she was just topping it off. And you're like, okay, I get it. I get it, Conan. Horrible joke. But lower earnings and higher fuel expenses hurt. Annual road trips to go see your mother could be put aside. Your mother may need company. You can see how this starts to hurt everything. A long trip to go see a garlic festival or a strawberry festival or a whatever festival this summer could go awry based on gasoline prices. Gasoline prices move down a lot slower than they move up. 
skyrocketing gas prices are delivering another blow to Americans battered by high inflation, forcing them to pull back their spending and change everyday routines. I have changed my routine and I'm wealthy to the point of I'm squeaking out every single mile from my electric vehicle. And I'm making sure to charge it in non-peak times. So the difference between me and the gasoline pair is huge. There's a lot of little options you can do if you have an electric vehicle. You can call the energy company and get a charging plan for your electric vehicle, which is way cheaper than the electricity plan for your home. Not way cheaper, but cheaper. And that's a big deal when it comes to charging your vehicle. It's a big hit to consumers, particularly low-income and moderate-income Americans, when you have high inflation and gasoline is a big part of it. Gas costs make up about 3.6% of the income for Americans earning less than $30,000 a year, compared to about 2.3% for those who earn fifty to 150000 So a 2.3% cost versus a 36 doesn't sound like a lot, but it's exponentially very, very large. When, like in the first segment, I talked about how much of our money automatically goes out the door to federal taxes and state taxes through our paycheck. Inflation reached a 40-year high this year. Gas prices accounted for nearly a third of that rise. Russia-Ukraine war and related sanctions on Russia. And companies' refusal to do business in the country are curtailing its oil supplies, of which it was noted that President Vladimir Putin of Russia said any company that leaves Russia for sanctions reasons, we're going to seize your equipment. And he wasn't talking about McDonald's and the fryers. He wasn't talking about Pizza Hut and the ovens. He was talking about oil and gas companies. We don't know how to get it out of the ground like Exxon and Chevron can. And Exxon and Chevron took a big finale. If there's a day to be nice to Exxon and Chevron, it might be during the Russian crisis. Um. Because I don't think they're ever going to get back into Russia. Now, let me say that in my parlance. I think it's going to be 20 years. I think Russia and the Ukraine situation is, if you've had a dream of going to motherland Russia, if you were born in Russia and you wanted to return there before you died, I don't think you're going back for the next 20 years. I think the Iron Curtain is back up for better or for worse until Putin's gone. I, I could be wrong. I'm a political hack when it comes to these things. And if you repeat that at lunch, maybe don't credit me because if it falls apart, I, I don't want that one. If you want my opinion, do I think the stock market will be up from its correction in three months to 18 months? Sure, you can quote me on that. That we're back at all-time highs before the middle of 2023. Yeah, you can quote me on that. Rob Black believes. Total work for us. We're taking any bets, though. Um, fly now looks a little bit more attractive. I saw yesterday I was pricing flights to Hawaii and then I was plotting gasoline to LA or Mexico, just to try to figure out road trips kind of thing. trying to figure out the next couple of, uh, breaks flight to Hawaii is pretty cheap considering you're going over oceans and thousands and thousands of miles. 
it's weird the disconnects right all things considered i think air travel is pretty cheap except for during weird moments where we buy it wrong but anyway i'm totally digressing here um carpooling you may hear more and more about that ubers and lifts where you share a ride you may hear more and more about that the irony is now that covid is dying out we should be able to go more places but here we are again with the dilemma of the high cost of fuel in 2021, we had to deal with Thanksgiving with friends and family or not? Christmas with friends and family or not? Now we're having to deal with rising jet airfares. I was going to say jet fuel prices, but didn't come out quite right. So those are how taxes play out in our life. And believe it or not, I've heard calls from politicians to say every American should get a $3,000 tax credit or gasoline credit to kind of get us through this whole issue and kind of say, yes, we know we're at war with Russia. Yes, we know we're asking you to do your part with higher gasoline prices. But we're also going to give you a subsidy. How about a tax credit for people who make under 50000 I'm more for that on gas prices or a tax credit for people who drive more than 25 miles to work. Do you remember, I, I don't know if you remember this, but in 2000, when I came to the Bay Area, housing prices had gone crazy, right? They're going up and up and up, up, up. At that point in time, I knew people who were doing tech jobs, but they were living in Stockton and driving to work every day, living in Sacramento and driving to San Francisco every, um, for those of you out of market, it's an 80 or 90 mile drive. This was kind of pre-electric vehicle too. So you'd see these teeny tiny little like Yugos that would get 60 miles a gallon, but they were made out of like cardboard boxes. The stories we remember, if we just try to think of the economy in our life and how it impacted us. Anyhow, taxes and gasoline, a lot of joyous topics today, right? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. This is Rob Black. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Rob Black Show. If you're looking for a certified financial planner or getting ready for retirement, contact me at rob at robblackshow.com. I can get you in touch with a certified financial planner from EP Wealth. Contact me, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. RobBlackShow.com. RobBlackShow.com. I'm excited because I don't get to work often with the CFP genius mind that is CFP Chad Burton from EP Wealth. He's someone I've known for over 20 years, and I instantly saw his knowledge base as second to none. And I thought his presentation skills were pretty darn close to the top as well. It's a powerful combination. You'll learn a lot in this hour if you pay attention and if you pick up his podcast, which is available on Apple and Google at their stores, iTunes stores, uh, iTunes app buttons, whatever it is you want to refer to it as. It's under New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. Chad, welcome to the show. How are you these days? Good. Thanks for the nice introduction too. It has been 20, 22 years almost now. It's really sad, but that's actually an introduction I 100% believe in. So it's, it's, it's good. I'm happy to say it out loud. 
Um, let's hit some emails because people can find you online at EP Wealth. They can uh, email you for your show. They can find you at chadburton.com. These are real emails that I have recently gotten, but I think that they also kind of sum up what's going on in people's minds. This is one that I love. I currently have $174,000 balance on my home loan. That sounds reasonable, 2.25%. That sounds unbelievable. It's a good rate for a 15-year fixed. After April 15, I can pay off this loan. My current monthly payment is $1,668. I can easily pay it for my retirement income. Here's where the email gets fantastic. I'm 91 years old and in excellent health. Should I pay off this loan or invest trying to gain more than 2.25% on my money? This would be a question you and I would banter back and forth as younger men. But as a 91-year-old, I'm looking for your answer, Mr. Burton. Well, yeah, here's, here's, here's what's changed a lot since we first started doing this together. And we'd say, never pay off your house. You could take that money and invest it in California tax-free bonds. Or if you're outside of the state, you know, in like Washington, just federally tax-free bonds and come out ahead um, because your home interest was deductible. Well, in 2017, taxes all changed. The standard deduction jumped um, and so most retirees in America are no longer itemizing their deductions, which means instead of writing off their home interest and state and federal taxes, which are now limited to 10 grand um, and charitable deductions, they're just taking the standard deduction. And so I would bet, I'd be willing to bet, I got to see the tax return, but I'd yep. be willing to bet, um, unless this person has really high medical expenses, that she's not, she or he is not getting a uh, tax deduction from that mortgage. So if they're sitting there saying, okay, I've got all the, I've got cash to pay it off. And, um, you know, if they want to take risk and, and they're willing to, you know, get out there on in the world of stocks, which is typically something you want to have seven to 10 years of time frame for, then you know, take advantage of this dip that we're seeing and, and average it in over maybe the next six to 12 months into stocks. Otherwise, you know, putting money into bonds right now, new money into bonds, you still need some bonds in your life, but new money into bonds. I mean, the, the Barclays aggregate bond index is down almost 4% for the year. And as interest rates rise, you get pressure downward on prices of bond funds, individual bonds. It doesn't matter because you just hold them to maturity, you just lose purchasing power. But um, in this case, you know, you're, you're also thinking about estate planning, right, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it's 91 years old. Let's be real. <laughs> 91 years old. I think this is the greatest email I've ever gotten. I have a fan who's 91 years old and who's asking a great question. Yep. Love it. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I've had, uh, three clients live past age 100. So, um, uh, in, in the case like this, if I'm not getting a tax deduction, I'm not really you know, looking at a 10 plus year time horizon to buy stocks on a big rush of dip. Um, you know, I would prefer if they're not itemizing to pay off the mortgage versus invest in bonds. The other option is to wait a year or two and wait for interest rates to rise. And then you can start locking into CDs that are likely higher than the mortgage again, but that's, that's a patient game. And until then you're only earning about a half a percent on your cash. So um, yeah, this is, this is one that, Take a look at the tax return. Are you itemizing or taking the standard deduction? If you're taking the standard deduction and you don't want to take a lot of risks in the money, then paying it off is a way to earn 2.25 on that money and kind of clean up your estate. We've got a couple more minutes, so let's get one more email. And you can find me online at Rob Black Show. We do do emails on the show. Rob, my niece is, has $4,000 invested in an IRA, Individual Retirement Account at Principal Bank. 
should she have EP Wealth help with a small investment or should she try to manage it herself? She's 30 years old. 30 years old and $4,000 is good. It could be a little bit better, but I'm stoked to see this. Um, someone trying to help out a family member who's young. Any thoughts? And like, um, clearly it's an EP Wealth client because they're trying to ask if EP Wealth can help uh, uh, friends and family. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, well, we do it both ways, actually. So first of all, does the kid I've have heard, time? I've heard that about you. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. Does the kid have the desire to learn and figure out how to trade? Do they have the time or are they so buried in college work that this is just not something that they're interested in right now? So they just want us to set it up for them and invest it in a you know, couple of ETFs or, or funds, for example. Um, the other option is, is okay, if they, they are, they are wanting to learn and and an educated client in terms of how you set up accounts and fund them and purchase ETFs, um, is, is a better client because you kind of know how things work. It's not as surprising. So I typically then recommend, okay, set those Roth IRA up at Schwab and, uh, buy a couple of ETFs or a, a better robo option. Fidelity go is great for small accounts. I think for 10, under $10,000, it's basically free where you put the money into an account and it's diversified among Fidelity's really low cost index mutual funds and it gets rebalanced for you. So I think those are two options um, in terms of teaching the kid how to do it, how to set up an account, how to fund an account, you know, link it to your bank account, get the money in there, how to look at a W-2 to see how much you can fund the Roth for. Um, so it really just depends on the kid. You know, it's interesting. Let's stay with a kid concept for just a second. That was a good answer. But you've got some kids now who are in their 20s and late teens. Um, Talk about helping out children and nieces and nephews. Um, How about things like internships with family members or ex-business partners who are out of state? Uh, What advice would you give to someone who's got a young adult in their family who's kind of needing to learn about jobs and finances and, you know, the young adult things that are part of life? And we've got about a minute. Well, first of all, it's very, very difficult to work with family members. Um, okay. Even I've told my own kids, because uh, my oldest graduated with a personal finance degree from Texas Tech, but he's actually going back to get a, a master's in physics. <laughs> so he wants to get into the world of derivatives and commodity trading and things like that. I've always told him, you're not working for me for you know at least five years. You're going to go somewhere else. We have other, well, you know, several other EP offices that they can internship and work and learn the ranks. Because, you know, working with family is a special type of, uh, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, you're supposed to, there's a, there's a, you know, boss and an employee relationship and you you cross the line too much when you're a family member and it's really hard, really, really hard. Good thing I'm not your kid, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's why you see, it's interesting. You see like a generation that'll build the business, um, a generation that'll kind of improve it. And then by the third or fourth generation, it just gets wonky. And, you know, they sometimes don't realize how hard it was to create the wealth. And then there's too many family members involved and too many interrelationships and problems in the business either gets sold or dissolved. It's just a common cycle. Thanks very much. You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. He's got a podcast, New Focus on Wealth. He's on this station, 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. But the easiest way to probably consume it is a podcast, Apple or Google, New Focus on Wealth. And again, website's got a lot of great downloadables, very accessible. You can find him at chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton. He's a regional director and certified financial planner with EP Wealth. 
he and I had a company new focus and we've repositioned. Interesting to note that we still have a history of working together and I've got a little bit of a history of just being slightly older than him. So I remember in coming into my first year of college or maybe my second year of college, Black Friday, 1987, Black Monday, excuse me, where the stock market had this infamous stock market crash. I was more concerned about grades and girls than I was about circuit breakers and 20% drops. But I was around the 97 Asian financial crisis is probably right around the time me and Chad started working together. The Russian financial crisis in 98, the dot-com bubble in 2000, stock market downturn from 2000 to 2002, the financial crisis of 2007, 2008, the flash crash in 2010, the Chinese stock market crash in 2015, 2016, the cryptocurrency crash. We've been there. We've seen it. Again, we haven't seen world wars. We haven't seen the epic uh, battles that Wall Street's had to battle, but we've seen some pretty good ones, including SARS, chicken flu, uh, bird flu, swine flu, um, Ebola, and much, much more. Chad, what do you think about those times of distress um, with clients calling you? Because they don't call me. You're the front man of the client, whereas I'm the front man with the marketing. Um, how do people react in times like this? Well, I mean, it just feels awful. I mean, right. who it feels really the most awful for is new retirees. Okay. So, you know, you had a great resignation going on and that's whether it's people just saying, okay, the assets have gone up so much, it's time to retire. That's one side of the great recession. The other one is just people jumping jobs left and right for, you know, a small raise here and there. Um, Which I've been warning people, you know, over the last year, be careful on the job jumping for just a small five, $10,000 raise. I know you need it. But if we do go into a recession, you're the first one to go. You're the new one. So be very, you know, be very careful about that because it's still happening. So this is the craziest job market I've seen um, as a owner in, you know, the almost 30 years that I've been doing this. Um, I've had so many interviews where you get three, three interviews in and you're, here's the job offer and they just use it to get to take it to their own employer and get a raise. <laughs> so it's just, uh, it's, it's rough. Um, but the, the reason why retirees notice it more is because they go from this point in life where you're feeding your, your portfolio at the highest level, your highest earnings power, your kids are out of college, you have the most to save. So you're just dumping all this money in over the last five to 10 years, finally, to get to the point of being able to retire. And you go from having a paycheck to living off of these assets for the rest of your life. And so you have more time on your hands in many cases that you're watching it. And if you have enough to retire, and you stick to that idea of, okay, I know interest rates are extremely low. I know I'm going to need to pull more money out each year to fight inflation. So, you know, at retirement, it's, you don't want to be pulling more right now than about three and a half percent of your portfolio in the first year, because you got to be able to adjust for inflation every single year. Wow. So let's, let's say if you're retiring with $2 million, you know, that's, you can safely generate 70 grand a year if you invest properly and increase that withdrawal rate every year to keep up with normal inflation. And so if, let's say if you have $2 million and you're watching the S&P 500 down 10%, that's 200 grand on paper, right? And you, if, you, if you just retired, you know, 10% decline doesn't sound like much, but when you equate it to the dollar value on your portfolio, that's when it feels really awful. And so, you know, people are going to see that at the end of March when they get their statements, for example. 
And, and that's sometimes when you get that capitulation selling, that's the biggest buying opportunity in the next decade, but that, that stuff can happen, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why going into retirement, 10 years prior to retirement, you have to have a very detailed plan, very detailed cash flow analysis. Where am I going to draw from? How many? Because you have cash, you have you know, taxable investments, like in a normal brokerage account, you have IRAs, Roths, 401k. You have to know where the money is going to come from. And then you have to know what your portfolio draw rate is. And five years prior to retirement, you have to have three years worth of that in cash. And, you know, I've been preaching this with you on radio since 1999. We've got, this has gotten through these major corrections that we've seen. Um, I mean, Rob, you and I have dealt with three of the four worst corrections in market history during our career. And yet the market has still given us great returns. Um, but we we saw the tech blow up. That was three years in a row of negative returns. First time since right after the Great Depression. We saw the credit crisis. We lived through you know April 2020, that big, huge decline and quick recovery. That was breaknecking speed. Um, if you have a plan going into these corrections, the idea of a retirement plan is to make your money last as long as you do. So it's, it's like you have to go into retirement realizing, hey, the market's going to take really good care of me over a 15, 20-year period. It's going to give me great returns. It's going to still probably average 10 to 11% over 20 plus years. But you have to know that it's only positive 70% of the time. And it's the mistakes that you make in the 30% of the time that will ruin your retirement. And so these losses on paper that you see that people are looking at their portfolio and they're seeing it's down you know, 10% or more. And if they're all in stocks, um, usually it's going to be about you know, 6 to 7% because even bonds are down on a balanced portfolio. Um, sometimes more depending on how you're invested. Those are paper losses. They are not real losses until you sell something. Okay. And as soon as you have to sell to pay for your expenses, because you have no other choice because you weren't invested properly going into retirement or in retirement, or if you just panic and you hit that button, I can't take anymore. I can't take it anymore. And then you sell because you were not invested into something that you were comfortable writing out some of the volatility that's when you turn paper losses into real losses. But if you have the right structure where you have enough cash in the bank and dividends and interest coming from your portfolio that still come to you in good markets or bad markets, dividends were still being paid in April of 2020 when the market was down over 40%. They were still kicking out dividends. And so if you have enough cash and dividends and interest to last you know, through a five to seven year peak down to the bottom of the recession up to the recovery, you're fine. So it's like you're, you're going into retirement, loving the stock market, knowing that it takes good care of you over time, but every single quarter you're prepping for those downturns by peeling off enough of the growth to replenish the cash that you've set aside because Chad and Rob told you that typical year has three, seven to 10% corrections. And every you know, five to seven years, you get that 20 to 30% correction. And so you just have to always be prepared for those and know how to live through them and you'll be okay. What do you think about the emails that you and I get during times like this, where people are telling us this time you're wrong. It always reminds me of dumb and dumber where Jim Carrey says, what do you think the chances of a guy like me and a girl like you end up together? And she says one in a million because so you're <laughs> telling me there's a chance. There's a chance. That's one of the best lines of movies of all time. For um, sure. Or other than, <laughs> or when they, she said, she's going to Austria and you guys got me throw a strip on the Bobby. <laughs> Austria, <laughs> not Austria. Real quick, under 30 seconds, if you can. Or could we be wrong this time? Well, I mean, I think we need to save that for next break because 
it's hard to talk about what's going on in the Ukraine without getting depressed and, and nervous. And so I, I think it's longer than I can talk about in the next, what, 10 seconds that we have here. So let's save that Perfect. one. And it's similar to Kuwait. It's what do we know, right? You can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, carrying on a conversation with CFP Chad Burton. I've worked with him. I consider him a friend. I hope that I know him the day he dies. <laughs> but I guess he's going to probably know me the day I die. Um, <laughs> With that said, you'll send my spouse a lovely note and you'll say something nice, I hope. But um, we're talking about corrections and how we've been through many and how they always feel weird and never comfortable. And yet we rely on history. And I've gotten some emails basically saying, this time you're wrong. This time it, it's, it's, and I've gotten that my whole career mm-hmm. of basically the guy who's got an email that ends in AOL.com or 666 is in his email address. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to delete this one. When you get messaging like that, what do you what do you tell them anything, or do you just move on? What's your messaging on on current market conditions? Well, you know, I'm telling everybody to brace themselves. It's going to be a, a, a very volatile year because this is an awful situation. I mean, Putin is a disgusting dirtbag, but he's also it's true he's an evil genius. I mean, this was all starting to set up. You know, in 2020, COVID hits, he decides to leave OPEC, pump as much oil as he want. It crashed the oil markets here, put a bunch of the frackers out of business, put the people that were lending money to the oil industry, a lot of those out of business. And so the restart of our oil production is going to take a while. I know even Elon Musk is tweeting out, we got to pump as much oil as we possibly can right now, unfortunately, or something like that. It's not the perfect quote. But because of the way that, you know, NATO works and the whole no fly zone and it's awful because it's like there's no win situation here besides letting Ukraine and Russia play out and then financially choking Russia forever and seeing how long it's going to take to decimate their stock market, all their businesses and, you know, the McDonald's and Goldman Sachs and Starbucks, everybody that's pulling out so that they topple Putin from within Russia. And that's really the best scenario here because we can't, you know, that having some sort of a conflict in the airs, um, you know, between NATO is, you know, it's just, it's not a good outcome. Um, and so it's just awful. I mean, it's awful to watch this play out and you have to separate those emotions and those feelings from investing in stocks. And you have to pay attention to not price movements during times like this, but how is this directly affecting company revenues? Um, what are, what are the issues here? We have, you know, company revenues that are affected, but we also have higher prices. How much of that's being passed on, you know, who has the pricing power, who doesn't, where are the buying opportunities setting up for the next decade? Cause that's what these things happen. They take a while to play out, but you start buying in the, you know, after a 10% dip in different asset classes and start aggressively buying after the 20% dip. Um, and just note that Rob, it's, 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 I haven't seen an oil price spike like this without a recession. However, this is probably the strongest underlying economy we've had with an oil spike like this. Um, so I just want to throw out again, because I like to balance you and not that I'm trying to correct you. I'm just trying to say, let's throw, there's no right answers. We've, you and I have been through 9-11. We've been through the China joining the World Trade Organization, the global financial crisis, the rise of social media, the Arab Spring. We've been through Kuwait number one, Kuwait number two. We've seen falling birth rates. You know, we've seen Brexit. We've seen Donald Trump 
and his policies in the United States, which were kind of a shock to the world. Is this one different in your mind, or is this going to be categorized in 10 years from now? Like, oh, that just joins the list of things we've seen. Um, I mean, we have to acknowledge that this one is, is scarier than those. I mean, Kuwait and right. all that, you know, nine 11 was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't lead to 150 oil. No, I mean, you, you did see the spike in oil prior to the 1999 and, and prior to 2007. It, it, the issue is just, you know, Putin's just a little bit crazier and has a little bit more, you know, power in terms of the size of Russia and stuff like that. And so, um, it, it, you, I think we have to acknowledge that this is a much more concerning issue than when we invaded Kuwait, um, just because of the global issues around NATO and stuff like that. But the, the thing is, is I'm trying to acknowledge that it's scary. It's different um, in the sense of how geopolitically it's tied mm-hmm. in Europe and European oil dependence and how that, you know, if they stop buying the oil, that's definitely going to cause a recession there. Um, but at the same time, it's not like we can just sell into this knowing that there's going to be a drop because we get surprised on diplomacy or what happens from a, like, if, what if, what if people inside Russia just, you know, take care of this themselves and all of a sudden it's gone. And all of a sudden you have a huge market rally, right? Sure. Um, so you can make small surgical moves. Um, just like we were talking about last year, growth assets had gotten too expensive, right? I mean, this is why if you look at the S&P 500, it's down 10.5%. Um, if you look at you know, a va- any value ETF, it's down only you know, 3 to 5%. But any growth ETF, where you look at the growth companies in the S&P 500, it's down almost 18% already. So we're more than halfway there on the typical correction from a recession. If you look at the Russell 2000, which is small and mid-cap stocks, from the November highs of 2021, it's down 17%. And, and VBK, which is an ETF that's small cap growth, is down 23. Small cap value is only down seven. What we were telling people last year, rebalance out of growth, buy some more value. You got too much growth in your portfolio. And the value, so that those surgical moves helped you know, buffer the downside a little bit. Um, and so you just look for the buying opportunities. You have some bonds, you have some cash so that when these buying opportunities present themselves, they are the best buying opportunities for the next decade. And when they're happening, it feels awful. You're watching declines. It doesn't feel right. But this is what's worked throughout history. The people that try to sell all out and go to cash and guess it, first of all, they're missing out on all the dividends and interest that are being paid in a portfolio. It's typically 2 to 3%. Mm-hmm. That's gone. That money is gone. You don't get that. You might have locked in low prices. And then you got to guess when it's the right time to get back in. And guess what? The right time to get back in is when it's the scariest time to get back in. So nobody does. So small, small moves, not, not big moves. So if you were my teacher and I were to say, although I may not like the last three months, I certainly like the last three years, five years, seven years, 10 years in perspective. I probably will like the next three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. Although I probably may or may not like 2022. I definitely didn't like the first three months of 2022. How would you grade that as a thesis? Grade that as a thesis. Am I right? Am I wrong? Is it too loose? Do you want to tighten it up? I can rewrite it. No, I mean, I think that's it's good. You know, everybody loved 2021, right? But yep. that was like, it was not a normal market. There was no volatility. And typically we have three, yeah. seven to 10% corrections a year. That's what's normal. Um, and so it's like, you got everybody miss, doing the FOMO thing and now they're paying more attention now that we do have volatility. 
Um, and that's on that volatility and, and you're, you have extra cash. You should be looking at the asset classes that have declined the most and the sectors that have declined the most and look for the buying opportunities. The movie twins had Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. That could be us. Let's say we're twins. I'm going to take the Schwarzenegger <laughs> role. You're going to take the DeVito role. I think we're about the same. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Let's, let's assume I'm going to buy cryptocurrency and you're not. Um, who's going to come out ahead in the years to come? as far as a vague concept of two brothers, one does and one does not buy crypto? Um, I think that recent regulations show that, you know, crypto is here to stay. Um, and I've been watching crypto carefully because this would set up a perfect storm for, you know, people wanting to get out of their country's currency and get into crypto to hide wealth. Um, but it's just been so volatile. It's, it is starting to break its ties to risk assets. It's, it's almost been moving directly like, you know, small cap growth or, or anything, you know, meme stocks, it's all kind of been moving together because of social media and kind of these pump and dump multi-level marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be settling out. I mean, Bitcoin's, you know, since Russia invaded Ukraine is up, I think 5.6%, one point is up 16. That's very volatile. Your Ethereum was flat. But Rob, the, the world of cryptocurrency, NFTs, did, did you know that Snoop Dogg now owns death row records? Okay. Right. And that is all tied to crypto. It's if you look at Gala Games, um, they signed they signed Snoop Dogg basically. And uh, this is a gaming and NFT and crypto company, or it's basically a blockchain company. It's not public yet. For the record, but, you're making me nervous talking about Snoop Dogg in an investment segment, but go ahead. Well, well, check. So his next record is coming out on the blockchain. Okay. And then if you look at how people are gaming and they're literally going in and using crypto to buy, you know, the tanks that they play with that they only make a certain amount of and skins and video games. I mean, this stuff is here to stay. It's just, it's foreign to anybody our age or above, but it's something that you got to learn about because it is definitely here to stay. There's, there's a whole bunch of executive orders that just got launched the, what, two days ago too. We've got about 90 seconds. What are your last thoughts in this segment? Um, Last thoughts, make sure that if you're looking at your portfolio, kind of, you know what you own. You know what your risk exposure is, and you can equate downside. You can kind of look at your portfolio statements for maybe April, May of 2020 and how you felt when that decline happened. Um, and make sure that you're investing in a way that you're comfortable with knowing, okay, I have a plan if this downside does continue, and I have a plan to rebalance when it feels the worst so that I have myself set up for the next decade of buying opportunities. I just don't want people to make emotional mistakes when it comes to investing and going through a geopolitical event like this. Stock market's still going to take care of us over time, over the next 15 to 20 years. You just have to be patient. Will it take care of us offsetting inflation or will we have to be a little bit wiser about how inflation's more in our life in the next 10, 20 years or will inflation go away and not be an issue? Uh, inflation will, de- will soon to subside after we get through this and the measurements become easier from one quarter to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the other thing that you and I have been saying. We, we went through a decade of lower than normal inflation, so we're likely going to go through a decade of higher than normal inflation, and here we are. Best way to fight inflation, stocks and commodities. If interest rates are high and coming down and there's inflation, then it's you know tips. But stocks and commodities, the best way to fight inflation. Special treat coming up, a segment solo with CFP Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. You can find Chad. He's a regional director with EP Wealth at chadburton.com. That's C H A D. 
B-U-R-T-O-N.com. You can make an appointment for him to review your portfolio or his team and work together with him at EP Wealth. Check him out at chadburton.com. Check out his podcast at Apple and Google um, podcast stores. I'm Rob Black. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds, like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.